I think it goes without saying that as we're going along this business journey, there's going to be inevitably these uncomfortable stages of growth that keep coming up where we we feel like we're bursting at the seams and that's when we know we're about ready to hit another growth spurt. Similar to kind of like when our kids start showing a bit too much ankle and a bit too much wrist in their in their clothes. It's when we know it's time to overhaul the wardrobe. But I think one of the biggest shifts that happens and one of the biggest periods of growth that happen for us in business is when we shift from that early phase of the hustle, the doing everything, the wearing all the hats and doing all the things to becoming what I would refer to as our own CEO. Actually moving away from that coalface mindset where we have to do all the things and start thinking more operationally about our business, what it's going to look like long term, how does it get there, how do we assemble our Avengers. It's a really hard stage to go to go through, both on a practical sense, who do you hire, what software do you invest in, um, what products and services do you niche down on, but also the headspace side of things. Well, you know, We have a lot of limiting beliefs that show up at this stage that we really need to face head on if we're going to move forward. And there's no one else that's probably best suited to guide us through this stage than my first business coach, Tori Kopke. Um, In this episode, I'd love to share with you her insights about moving into the CEO position in our own business and how that's going to unlock all this potential for the growth for our business right into the future. Can't wait to share this one with you guys. Let's get started. You're listening to Taking Back Joy, a more than marketing podcast. This is where we dive into how to market your regional and rural small business sustainably without being stuck to your screen. I'm your host, Meredith Page, and I was born and raised in a small town full of fantastic small businesses, and now I'm doing the same with my own family. I'm a marketing coach, a mum and a wife, and I want to share with you everything I've learned and I'm still learning about juggling a family, business growth, mental well-being and healthy boundaries. Here we market smarter, not harder, so we can take the busyness out of our businesses. If you're running a small business, raising small humans, and trying to make a big difference in a small town, you're in the right place. This is Taking Back Joy. Um, I could probably do your intro for you. Like the amount of times I listen to your podcast, I could be like, step back, Tori, I know how this works, and you can just let me know if I've missed anything. Uh, um, okay, so for those who haven't had the benefit of working with you yet, what is wrong with you? Um, so, Tori, would you like to sort of share what it is that you bring to the table for um, business women? Yeah, definitely. So my name is Tori Kopke. I work and live on our farm, which is in regional Western Australia. I don't actually work on the farm. I just have a remote office in my house on the farm. And I work with women all across the country to help them um, develop strategies, figure out how they're going to sell in their business, market themselves, get that kind of CEO mindset around themselves. And it essentially accelerate their business. That's what I want to do is I want every single person I work with to grow and accelerate their business. Cause you were my first business coach and you marked a really interesting turning point for me in business where I came to the, cause I think when we're mums and we're business women, we kind of very naturally fall into that. We can do all the things because we actually can do all the things like, because like, I think we're so adaptable and we're so used to adapting our schedules learning how to do stuff, fitting it all in. It's almost harder for us to move away from the doing it all ourselves because we're so good at it. And so when I got to the point where I wanted to work with you, um, so that was, I think, I think mid 
2000, I think mid 2020 is when we started working together. It might have been late 2020. I can't remember. I feel like I've known you for a million years now, basically. Um, so I feel like it was a case of if this is going to be a grown up business and not just a side hustle on steroids, I need someone outside the bubble who can call it as she sees it and yeah, keep me moving forward. Because I found this working with my clients is that I don't think you ever get outside your own bubble to the point where you don't need a coach. No, I don't think you ever get outside your bubble. And going back to your point of saying that we can do everything. Yes, we can do everything. We are, especially if you're like a high achiever, a type A, like I really believe entrepreneurs go into business because they can do everything. But just because we can do everything doesn't mean we should, like Mm -hmm. we shouldn't. Um, and I think that's a big catching point that so many people say, but I can do that. I can do that. And I'm, that's just, that doesn't mean you should be doing it. But I think when you are in business, you just need those kind of bird's eye, that bird's eye view looking down at your business and, and really helping you out. And one of the cool things about coaches is it's not just your business we're looking at, you know, we're looking at 20, 30, 40, 50 businesses across the year. And so we're mm-hmm. able to take all of their learnings and then apply them to your business. And so you get so many like learning shortcuts and fast forward buttons just by working with a coach because they've seen what's working and what's not working in the marketplace. Well, like there's a classic reason why professional athletes need coaches. Like you, you've got your top tier tennis players and basketball and so like they still have coaches. They are not so they're not so good at their craft that they've outgrown the need for someone giving them direction. So yeah, I think and I I think again, I don't know if this is a uniquely female problem because I don't, I don't want to kind of make this a gendered conversation as such, but I sometimes wonder whether we we kind of think that calling in help is an admission of failure and whether we, we apply that mentality to our personal lives or our business lives, I think sometimes we look at it as if we failed if we need to call in for help when really it's almost a method of self-care, really. Again, that's an overused buzzword. But if you don't want to be pouring from a constantly empty cup, you need to bring in other cups, basically. I agree. I agree. And it's one of the reasons why as a coach, I can't have, you know, 300 clients at once because I am pouring my energy into them and into their business. And so I need to have enough energy to go around, but you know, above me, I've got my coach who is working with other women who is supporting me, who's helping me with my own strategies. And so I know I kind of have that to rely on as well. And I know she has a coach. Like, Mm -hmm. I just think it's such an essential part of business, especially if you kind of want to push past that six figure mark, you want to really start scaling and growing. And yeah, I think if growth is on your agenda, you need those outside eyes. And I don't think that's an admission of guilt. I think that is just a strength to say, you know Mm -hmm. what, I could go further if I was supported. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think, because I think when you start thinking about coaches and outside, outside sort of forces, bringing them into your business, it's when you're really kind of at that tipping point, you need to sort of be putting yourself in that CEO mindset, which is what I really wanted to pick your brain about in this episode is like identifying, I guess, when you think you've reached that point where you're like I did before I engaged you was like, okay, this needs to be more than a side hustle or I'm going to be spinning my wheels 
infinitum and it's never it's i'm just the, the little tiny bit i keep is just going to keep moving up the scale but the amount of time i need to tip in to achieve it is going to keep growing and the amount that needs to be tipped in is going to keep going the, the gap i get to keep is not going to get any better or smarter so i suppose how would how would people i suppose i'd look at their own situation and identify when they're at that tipping point where they need to kind of become their own ceo essentially Look, I think if you are turning a profit of any sort of former fashion, you need to step into that CEO mindset because I think owning your business as a CEO and really thinking about it as a CEO is totally different than just being a kind of nine to five employee. And so I think if we are really owning our CEO status we need to, we need to think of it that way. So for me, that means, you know, having a CEO morning where I'm reviewing, you know, the analytics of my business, the finances in my business, my next kind of 90 day plan. I've always got my goals here and visible. I've also got them on a Trello board. I just reached around. Y'all can't see that, but I just reached around and pointed at my goals. I'm so <laughs> glad I'm not the one that points at the screen and goes, you see this bit in the corner. Oh, no, you can't see this bit in the corner. <laughs> uh, but I think it's just so essential to have that kind of CEO time because you would never walk into a boardroom and speak to a CEO and say, Hey, how's you, you know, what's your profit margin? And they go, Oh, I don't know. Or you say, hmm. what, you know, what's the, what's the big nine year or five-year plan? What's happening in the next 90 days? And they go, nah, we're going to just see what happens. That would never happen in a boardroom. Hmm. And there's a reason why we have CEOs and there's a reason why we have the actions that support our CEO mindset, because I think that's the important part that a lot of people kind of skip is they don't necessarily have that CEO mindset. And so they're like, just going through the motions instead of having this really solid, you know what, I'm being a boss, I'm owning my business, I'm stepping into this responsible role, and I'm going to grow this thing and having that really rock solid mindset. And then the actions then follow through and support it. So I lot of, think a lot of people kind of go through the motions without necessarily mm. having that, like, I'm a boss mindset. I think we also get lost in the day-to-day -day busyness as well too. And I think it's kind of like when you've got your to-do list and you get too much gratification about simply ticking things off rather than doing the things that are actually going to move the needle. It's almost like, it's like a, it's almost like a hangover from like, uh, employee kind of mode where it's just like oh look you know here's all the things I achieved today can I have my scratch and sniff sticker and my five minute early mark like it's it's and like I think sometimes these little hangover mentalities we don't actually know we're doing them until we realize it's not working it's like hang on yeah okay it feels great to tick things off my to-do list but um I've suddenly my pipeline suddenly dried up and I haven't had a new inquiry in a week and that's a me problem now that isn't like the sales department I'm the sales department now um crap and so it's I was actually at a really interesting luncheon um the other week for like a mother's day uh sorry uh, international women's day thing and there was a really she was a um tax uh, so accountant tax agent she was saying as much as like the daily when you're in that daily doing stage is hard and busy you almost need to force yourself to start thinking about like you said the the 90 day stretch the 12 months the five year because if you don't who is and then suddenly you might turn around one day and go oh where'd my clients go because you were so busy focused on the work in front of you you weren't actually looking up to see where the work was coming in and that is why I love having kind of 
non-negotiable. I call them needle moving tasks. Like there are things that are just non-negotiables for me in my business that I know if I'm doing these kind of four to five things, my business is still going to grow. It's especially when I'm time poor, I'm like, I still have to do these things. It's, it's non-negotiable, but also I think when we are kind of just taking off our to-do list, we forget that there is you know, the client work is always going to get done. Client work is going to get done no matter what. And I just, I believe that in my heart of hearts, we are always going to deliver client work, but what is so easy is to not do our own work. And so that's why we have to schedule time to do our own work because that client work, I guarantee you, you're going to get it done no matter what time hell or high water, you're going to get that client work done, but your own work, you're just going to keep pushing it off and pushing it back and pushing it back. That's why I like to schedule a CEO morning because if I don't do it, then, then I'm just not going to do it. I'll say, Oh, mm-hmm. I'll do it next week. I'll do it next week. Um, whereas my client work, like, yes, I will do it no matter what happens, but my work, I just need to make sure it's scheduled and in the diary or else it probably won't happen. Absolutely. Yeah. It's almost like, um, I've just finished a re- really reading. I don't have, uh, interesting book. Have you read the one thing? Um, I have not. Okay, I'll put, I'll put that on my link. list. <laughs> I'll put that link in the show notes because that was a really good one. And he talks about making these appointments with yourself too, and committing to it like it's an appointment. He he talk his is pretty bold in that he kind of sort of goes the the theory is is that you should be able to narrow everything down and be ruthless and go what's the one thing what's the sentence he uses what's the one thing I can do next that such by doing it makes everything else either easier or irrelevant. Um, and it's constantly looking at you to do this as, as that. And it's it's really interesting mindset shift because then it's like, okay, well, I have all this client work to do. I could do one of these jobs or I could find someone who can do a lot of the heavy lifting here and that could be the one thing that makes all these other tasks easy if not irrelevant. And so it's a really interesting lens to look at what you need to do and then you can start pulling back and scaling because you're sort of, you're not getting lost in this daily doing, you're sort of, you're then going, oh, okay, well, if my next thing I tackled was finding someone who was good at all this, then they could do that. I could still be making 20 bucks an hour and whatever it's costing them to do it because that's my margin. And then I can reallocate that to this project, which will be scalable. And then I, yeah, so it gets you on rails on a completely different way of thinking. Yeah. And I think that we have to kind of start thinking in that really scalable aspect because we are all time poor. Everyone is time poor. And so, and as business owners, I think you're just naturally more time poor than um, you were as an employee. Like now I think back to like my nine and five corporate job. I'm like, what the heck did I do for 40 hours a week? Like, what was I actually doing for that yeah. whole time? Because and then you come home now and you switch I- off and it's like, <laughs> yeah. And pre-kids, oh my gosh, like what did I do with all of my time? So now as a business owner, I think we're so much more effective with our time. But if we can be even more effective and kind of like 10x our effectiveness by bringing in systems, bringing in support, bringing in automations and those sort of things. And if we can rely on other things and, you know, I've so many clients who something so simple like a Calendly for booking in their calendar. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. spending hours all this time, say for four or five years, they've been going back and forth with clients, trying to find a 30 minute window in each other's week. Whereas something so simple as, oh my gosh, I just figured out Calendly. And now you're going to save yourself six hours of admin a week. So 
just the simplest little things that seem too hard, but once we tackle them, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't do that sooner. And so Mm -hmm. that's why automations, systems, people, like we have got to use them and we've got to leverage what we can as time poor business owners. Absolutely. And this is like one of my favorite things to talk about is like techie, like automations, because I think so much too, people these limiting beliefs crop up that could actually be holding us back from making our lives so much easier. Like the amount of people that go, oh, I'm just really bad with apps. Oh, I'm no good with tech. Oh, and it's like you're letting that stand in the way of you spending maybe 15 minutes, half an hour figuring this app out that is going to win you back so much time. And like, so what I do with Calendly, like I 100% agree with that one. It's so good. You can set up like reminders. So even once they've made the appointment, you can then send them an email two days out going here, just so you know, our appointment's coming up and then send them like a list of here's, can you have these things ready when we jump on the call? I mean, you can integrate with Zoom. So it creates its own Zoom link. Like, but only that, like I've, I've started teaching people how to then wrap it into a sales funnel. So the idea is that then someone lands on your website they can book a free strategy session or they can book like a free one-off session, which is then essentially a paid sales call. Then the first time you hear from them, they've come from social media through to your website, found this free one-off call they can have with you. Like I used to do them as brain dump sessions. Now, fantastic. It was 97 bucks and it was pretty much have me for an hour, ask me whatever I can. We'll figure it all out. That was great. So they come from social media to the brain dump session. They book it. They've got a Zoom link. They've got a list of things they need to prepare. The first time I hear from them is when their Zoom link pops up in my calendar and I've got an email collating all their responses. I'm like, that's that's someone who has bought the thing, done the thing, paid the money because it's integrated with Stripe as well. And they're sitting in your calendar, paying client, ready to do business with you. And it's like, and then that sits there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Like that's not someone you have to onboard. That's something that you pay what 15 bucks a month for. Have you just come out the other side of building your website or maybe you've had your website for a few years and you're kind of thinking, so what's this actually supposed to do for my business? What's next for this thing that I've invested in? And how do I take it from being essentially a digital billboard to a highly productive tool inside my business? Well, you're in luck. This is one of my favorite topics to cover once a website's built. And guess what? You're actually at the next exciting step in your marketing journey because now your website's complete, it's time to automate your marketing. Now you might be thinking, what on earth is marketing automation? Well, it's the process of piecing together software, systems, and apps that can run behind the scenes on your website that can draw customers in, give them reasons to do business with you, add them to your database for future future marketing opportunities. The sky's the limit when it comes to automations, both in terms of marketing your business and also lightening the admin load for moving customers closer to a sale. Now, if you'd like to know what apps I use in my business, head over to my website and download your free copy of my new guide, my go-to apps for small business marketing on autopilot. It's complete with links and tips on how to get started and it's completely free. Head over to the resources section of my website and grab your copy now. 
And that's it. And they're a hot, ready, like they're a hot buying client. They're already buying. And then mm-hmm. you have the opportunity to upsell from there. And so I think if you're not using something that's super smart like that in your business, you're leaving money on the table. You're leaving mm-hmm. money on the table. You're working harder, not smarter. And so if you, and uh, I'm the same as you, like my first point of call is always like, we need to jump on a call. We need to jump on a call. Like it's always like, that's the first point uh, that I want to talk to people with. So if you don't have that sort of really smart sales funnel set up, then you're doing yourself a disservice. Mm-hmm. And back on your idea of non-negotiables as well, like I think we need to, because I feel like what's part and parcel with this high achieving A-type entrepreneur brain is also chronic people pleasing issues that we have to come to terms with and the say yes to everyone so we disappoint no one. And um One of the things I think we have to unlearn when we're kind of moving into this more like CEO space is, okay, I'm going to have these conversations, but I'm going to have these conversations with the right people on my terms. Like this was, this was something that was introduced to me with the, I feel like I should have like a booktopia affiliate link with this podcast. Um, the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, Tim. Yeah. I just got on my bookshelf. I'm just like trying to squint. Um, so here was the idea. It was like, you know, have, like taking ownership of your time and then allocating that time to the right people on your terms. So it's like I got to the point where once where I was like, I feel like all my clients are at me, but like my clients are good people. What is going on? And what it was was that I had some of them texting me, some of them Facebook messaging me, some were on Telegram, some were email. And in some instances, the same person was having three different conversations with me across three different platforms. And so I felt like I was like mentally running around like a headless chook when it's like, this doesn't work for me so now it's a case of everything I mean I'll still do some dms on instagram but it mainly it's okay you need to get on an e like send me an email and that very quickly needs to translate to a call and if you're willing to do that process I will give you 120 percent and we'll make this work but if you want to do business with me this is this is how it's going to work and I think some people get scared about putting those lines in the sand but you've got to look at them as really good opportunities to filter out people that are just not right for you. If they're not willing to meet you where you're at, um, that whole project is going to be really, really hard, even if it does go ahead. I think those sort of boundaries are, I I freaking love boundaries. Like if you haven't got boundaries, you need them people, especially if you want to Mm -hmm. be in business for the long haul. But I think having those sort of boundaries with your clients, and if you're super upfront about it, like have it in your, you know, your onboarding pack, have it on your um, terms and conditions, have it in your welcome call. If you reiterate over and over and over again, like this is kind of my boundary. So for me, I like to unplug on the weekend. I prefer to communicate on email with people in um, my business. If it's like something super short notice, then I'll send you a text. But other than that, like, let's keep it to email. You know, I just have systems in place and I'm like, this is how we do business. If you're doing business with me before I used to use um, a chat provider or I'd use Voxer. So I think whatever it is, whatever it looks like for you, it's up to you to just take ownership and be like, this is your business. It's not your clients just trying to figure out how they're supposed to communicate with you because they don't know. 
And so it's not just client communication that you have to hold a boundary around. I think it's also like your time. Are you spending your time being really effective? It's also your mental space. Like, are you actually consuming things that are going to benefit you? Are you consuming more than what you're putting out? So are you spending more time on social media and spending too much time soaking stuff in instead of having a really high level of output? So social media Mm. can be a boundary that you need to have family time. Like there's so many things that I think we have to be really conscious of as business owners and hold our boundaries with. Absolutely. Well, like, yeah, I, I feel like sometimes a bit of a boundary be arch, but it's a case of if you won't, then who will? Like, again, this is almost like a hangover employee mentality where it's like, no one's, there's, no one's going to call a HR meeting in your life and implement a new policy and make everyone sign in the room sign off on it because it's you you are the hr department so yeah and i feel like once you start mentally getting on this track it spills over into so many other areas of your life as well like you're responsible for how people value your time you're responsible like you said for what you consume in terms of like what you what you eat what you drink what goes into your body to fuel you and keep you alert and on your game like how much exercise do you how much sunlight have you got today have you moved today like it's, it's being really mindful of the fact that no one's going to come and tap you on your shoulder and go, it's time for smoker. Like you need to be doing, you need to be doing that for yourself. And you're going to constantly feel like you're spinning your wheels and you're not getting anywhere. If you don't start assuming that position in your own business, in your own life. Absolutely. And I think it's part of, as business owners, we need to recognize that yes, we're trying to build a business. And this is why I like to call it a life first business. Like I am not building a business that is going to rule my life. I am building a business that is going to support my life. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, I need to make sure that my life is full and fabulous and fun and has all the things that I want in it. But that means that I'm going to have to get uncomfortable sometimes and hold boundaries. But if my business ultimately is going to support my life for me to be the best person that I can be for myself and my family and my friends, then I think that's a win. So if I have to be uncomfortable and say, sorry, you can't call me or you can't text me, so be it. So be it. And I'm like, it's so scary when you first start putting those things out there. But once you start seeing the caliber of person it starts attracting, it then compounds. Like then you're like, oh, like they're like March, like say March 2022 for me this year was just mental, like absolutely mental in terms of the workload I had. But I was sitting there going, okay, the work and the volume of work I've got is really challenging right now, but the quality of people I'm dealing with over this work are amazing. And so I think like if you're like, especially if you're a service-based business, if you're being challenged by the work in front of you, but the quality of people you have to deal with is so aligned with you in terms of like your values and what you think is acceptable. And it, it's just, you just hum up. Like that, that's like, to me, it's like business goals, you know, like that's what you want. You want to be constantly challenged, but not by challenging clients, by ch- good people with challenging projects. Yeah. And I think it's really motivating when you're working with with that really high caliber of people that you're wanting to attract. I think it, there's nothing more motivating. Like I absolutely love the clients I'm working with now, you know, three, four years ago, it was kind of, mm, I was, I was picking and choosing. There were some I loved. There were some that I was like, okay, I guess I'll do it. But I'll tell you what, when you start saying no to people and saying, nope, sorry, this doesn't actually align to me. This isn't within my wheelhouse. This is, 
I don't think we're a good fit when you start saying that and you really start nailing down exactly who you want to work with your business, the the niching alone and the saying no is going to have a huge positive effect, but then it's going to have a positive effect on your mental energy as well. Oh, absolutely. And like for anyone who's still in that, like listening to this, that's still in that people pleasing, I can't say no to people, like they, their butt cheeks just went, oh, I can't say no, what are you talking about? Like um, <laughs> you, can, you can say really kind no's. Like if you think about it in terms of what's best for this person right now is not me, then it's a lot easier to say that no when it's a case of, look, I know there's someone out there who's going to do a better job of that than me. I don't have the capacity for it right now. So if I said yes to you right now, you wouldn't be getting the best of me. Um, so you can say no, not right now, and maybe book it in later. Because the other thing I think we need to remember too sometimes is when clients come to us, and I see this all the time when they're in a panic and it's a state of urgency, the job itself is not urgent. Their desire to make it someone else's problem is the urgent bit. They just want to sort of push it off their desk onto your desk. And that's the urgent bit. Um, so identifying what, okay, is this urgent? Are you the right fit? Let's just get spend five minutes feeling them out. And then if there's something inside of you, like listening to your gut, if something inside of you is like retracting and like contracting from the conversation, you, you know, it's it's not going to end well. But you can refer them on to like apps. If you've got like a really good um, like sort of contact list of people that have got complementary skill sets to you, like it can be like I'm like, and don't apologize either. My big thing is like we should always be careful about what we're actually apologizing for. So don't say, sorry, I can't do it right now. Like don't tone it with sorry. It's a case of, look, I don't have the capacity to do the quality of work that you probably need and deserve right now. But here's a couple of people I can recommend. Um, if you're looking for a DOI solution, here's a tool I really like using. Um, let me know how you go and all the best with it, you know. Um, or I can probably fit you in, but it's probably not going to be for a couple of months. So there's a couple of options for you. It wasn't like a no end of conversation. It's like a no, but here are some alternatives. So for the people pleasers out there, that makes it a lot easier to say the no when you're putting that person's needs realistically in front of you and going I'm I'm not I'm not the best person for you right now and that's in your interest for me to be honest about that yeah and I think that that can be a really tricky thing for people to get their head around is saying you know what but if you reframe it to where it's not them it's me so I'm not the person I don't have the time I'm so like I'm, I'm so busy with this, or I've got other priorities and you put it in that kind of framework, then I think, and you're just really doing the other person a favor. So I have some people that come to me that maybe they're too early in business, or maybe they are, they just don't have necessarily the skills or they actually don't know what a business coach does. And I'm totally not what they're looking for. And so there are natural times when it is without a doubt, the best interest for me to refer them on to something else to support them that can do the job that they want that I can't do. Mm. So if someone is at that point where they're at the, I thought working for yourself was supposed to be funner than this kind of stage, um, but they're still at that point where the idea of bringing someone in seems really like big and scary or like they just they feel like they're bursting at the seams, but they don't quite know need know what they need to do next. What would you what would you give that person as like a couple of good action steps to take next? Because I feel like that bursting at the seams mentality or that feeling can kind of crop up 
pretty much anywhere. And it's, I think it's, it crops up whenever we're at a point where we need to change and switch gears. So if people are feeling that they're revving a bit too hard right now, what would you recommend they do about it? Yeah. So usually what I find is when people are really, really at capacity, they're not mm-hmm. ready to outsource I would say that outsourcing is probably in your near future, but if you're not ready to outsource, then look at what you are offering. Look at what is out there for the public to buy. What can you cut? Can you cut the one, the offers that are taking a lot of time, not necessarily making you that much money? Can you cut those immediately? Um, just take them off the table. Don't do them because when you are at capacity, when you have no time, when you feel like you are just so close to burning out, you don't want to be doing the jobs that don't make you money. Those ones Mm. are just soul destroying. And so immediately I would just look at your offers, make sure that you have a pretty simple product suite and get rid of the ones that aren't making you a good amount of money. And then I would, once you have a bit of breathing space, I would start looking at, okay, where do I want my business in 90 days? I don't want to feel like this forever. So what do I need to shift? What do I need to change to allow myself to have some breathing space so that in 90 days from now, I might have, you know, the revenue goal I'm chasing. Maybe I've had the space to bring in um, some support to allow me to scale a bit more. Maybe I've finally set up the system that's going to help me um, get some breathing room. So I would immediately kind of go into triage where we're, we're cutting the things we don't love and we're saying no. And then that'll buy us some space to really plan the next 90 days that we can actually grow our business with intention instead of being reactive to everything that's coming across our desk. Mm. So like as a good example for that cutting services thing. So when I was at that point, so I started out as like a, a graphic designer, but when you're a graphic designer, you very quickly become like a one-stop shop. So it was graphics, yeah, it was logos, it was branding, it was printing, it was websites, it was marketing funnels. And I was exactly at that point. I'm just like, and because the thing is when we, okay, so a lot of people hesitate about cutting services because they're like, oh, but I can get them on this and I can get them on this and that, that but you very you, you get to the point where you're doing so many things, you don't have the opportunity to refine those services down and get them so succinct and so snappy that the client gets this next level experience and you've got your back of house processes so tight that you can smash them out and do 100 a day. Like you don't just physically don't have the capacity to refine each of the things that you do to that extent. So everything's going to be sloppy. Um, so one of the biggest things I did was logos. Now it's at first I was like, Oh, I don't want to get rid of logos. Cause they're like at the start of this magical pipeline of print websites and all that kind of stuff. But logos typically take oh, 10, 15 hours of fluffing around. Really? No one's ever going to pay the hourly rate I wanted to sufficiently cover those 10 to 15 hours. Um, especially with all the online logo makers that are out there and people that do it overseas and things like that. So I had to be, it was something I enjoyed doing, but it was a massive time suck and I was not getting the return on investment for the time it took. So I had to, you had to be ruthless and cut it. And, um, there was, the, and obviously I'm still standing, like I survived the process, but I think, that's that's a 
that was for me was the example of okay I'm not doing that anymore because I'm just not I can't recoup that time and so it went but then that time got quickly filled up with like websites which are a much much better option for me and because logos are so easy to get I had all these referral systems in place where it's like okay go to this person I know they don't do websites because they refer their website clients to me so I knew they were going to bounce back so I sent them to that designer for the logo knowing they'll probably come back to me afterwards when they're ready for the website so I had that loop in place and suddenly I had all this time I could do high paying work with yeah absolutely I like to say when you say no to something it's actually just allowing space for something else to grow and so while it might feel so scary to say no I'm sorry I'm not doing that and it's going to, yeah, it's going to be scary, but it's just, it means you're allowing something to grow, whether you're allowing your own processes and systems to be refined because you finally have that breathing room, or maybe it means that you're finally going to fill up your pipeline with the work that you love and that lights you up and pays you really well. Yeah. It sounds a bit woo, but you got to get to the point where you do it and just trust the universe a little bit and trust what's sort of coming down the pipeline for you. Um, Tori, I feel like I could talk about three hours more about this stuff, but, um, you were so integral in me shifting into CEO mode in my business. And after working with you, I just, I just hadn't, haven't looked back. So if any, for anyone who wants to work with you, what are the ways they can work with you and where can they find you? Yeah, definitely. So I have my own podcast. It's short, snappy, bite-sized, binge-worthy episodes, big ideas, rural, um, go check me out over there, Spotify, Apple, all the things. And then on Facebook and Instagram, I'm Tori.Kopke, T-O-R-I.K-O-P-K-E. And I prefer Instagram to Facebook, but you know, that's just me. And yeah, I work with women in my mastermind as well as one-on-one coaching. And then I have um, some courses as well. So lots of ways to work with me. Highly recommend all of them, guys. I'm like a serial Tory customer. Listen to the podcast. I've done the one-on-one coaching. I'm now in the mastermind. So I keep going back for more. That says enough. So thank you so much for your insights, Tori. Um, I really hope this podcast sends more people your way to um, get the benefits of all, all everything you have to offer. Yeah, I really um, appreciate you having me and Everyone, you know, just put on your your big boss pants and start <laughs> acting like a CEO. <laughs>